Welcome everyone. Welcome to the Jennifer R. Curie channel. Our uh, Thursday call is Tuesday this and it was a great day to kind of schedule uh, just check in with what's happening. Nick, mute when you're not speaking. <laughs> but uh, we're just checking in on uh, BRICS, what's going on. I know there's a lot of rumors right now that the dollar is going to collapse. And while it does appear that way, as uh, the those who have been following this channel have kind of seen the unraveling through the past few years, it is highly unlikely that they're going to collapse this tomorrow. Um, but that's why we wanted to have a discussion about it because there seems to be a lot of hype. You know, it, there's a lot of noise in this space. Nick, I don't want to steal your thunder, so feel free to jump in. Uh, and then, as you know, as much as we talk about digital assets, I mean, really just XRP guys, just really, this is the one, um, you know, uh, we do, we do talk about the importance of metals and that is another reason why I like working with Nick. Uh, Nick's work is really great. He's been very kind to the people on this channel. A lot of good work has happened, you know, whether you're looking to buy for the first time, top up or convert a pension, um, really talk to Nick before anything. <laughs> But, you know, we, we do host these discussions to kind of break down the why of the metals and, you know, the real money and the sound security that you, really the peace of mind you get with holding physical metals outside the system. Um, and, you know, Nick is always is here to kind of share his thoughts. Nick, are you there? No, absolutely, Jen. I um Thanks again for the lovely intro. It's uh, and, and yeah, anybody that, that has any questions afterwards, uh, feel free to to email me. You'll you'll have my direct email there as well. But um, yeah, I think things are changing really dramatically at the moment, as most of the audience have probably seen on the news. There's there's a confluence, I suppose, of events that are that are coming together, which seem eerily related, I suppose. Um, I mean, even from our last podcast, the, the, the reasons behind the banks getting into trouble, I mean, those haven't gone away at all. They're, they're starting to boil over yet again. Um, we just had Janet Yellen uh, announce in the, basically in the next, well, in the third and fourth quarters of this year, um, we're going to see a lot more bank consolidations. I mean, she put it pretty bluntly last week. Um, so that means a lot more banks are going to collapse and they're going to be absorbed by some of the larger ones. Um, uh, as a lot of loans to, to small businesses and commercial re real estate, as those unwind, um, the cost of them doubles. Um, it's going to lead to a lot more bank collapses. Uh, and this time, she said that they're not. The Federal Reserve aren't going to come and bail out the banks. There's going to be bail-ins. So basically, the banks will just steal depositors' funds um, and convert it into equity um in an institution that, that's essentially bankrupt same thing happened in cyprus same thing happened in greece so uh i suppose what what a lot of people a lot of people just can't get out, out of the way of things that they can't see coming and for the majority of people what we saw basically earlier in the year is now ancient history they think it's behind us but it's not um or just look at, at global debt particularly that of the us in the last six months um, and it's reached 151 trillion they are completely insolvent they're broke they realize they can't pay it off so what do they do they've either got to inflate it away or they default they increase interest rates so much that the whole thing comes crashing down so they're damned if they do they're damned if they don't but what's really interesting is the third option um, which is obviously the topic of, of this talk is, well, look, they've got the opportunity to blame a villain. Um, what, whatever happens, we're going to get a crash, but, well, they're going to blame it on somebody, and that conveniently coincides with a meeting that we've seen going on with the BRICS that started today. So, basically, the main, the main event that started happening today, uh, round about lunchtime, I, I think it all kicked off, um, it is the BRICS summit. And just in case anyone basically in the audience doesn't know what that is, that's where uh, Russia, China, India, Brazil um, and South America, they're, they're all coming together. They're meeting in South Africa uh, to discuss the direction they're going to take with their new currency system for, for their new trading block. And basically the reason they're doing this, Jennifer, is because not only do they know the current system is totally broken, um, 
they because it's being used against them as well it's being weaponized um uh, and at the moment the americans they're, they're basically the administrators of, of, of the world reserve currency which of course is the dollar and in the eyes of all these BRICS nations it shouldn't be up to the americans to decide who can use it where they can use it and how they can use it so in, instead of uh, America being this kind of um, in, impartial administrator uh, of a, a world reserve currency, which is what they really should be doing, they're, they're now dictating um, who's allowed to use it, um, who's going to be cut out, etc., which is obviously creating this incentive for all these countries to, to break free, essentially, um, from, from this system and, and form their own. Um, and, and this is, at the moment, uh, as of today, well, this is being spearheaded by the Russians um, and a very intelligent uh, diplomat called Sergei Lavrov. Uh, and as we all know, the situation in Ukraine, the Americans have denied Russia access to the SWIFT system. Um, they've confiscated their assets. They're basically trying to crush their economy. So uh, Visa doesn't work over there now. MasterCard doesn't work. Um, and all these BRICS nations are coming together and thinking, well, look, if America can so easily cut Russia out of the international banking system, um, I mean, it can easily happen to us. Um, so basically what the BRICS have been doing is they're, they're now developing a gold backed currency. Um, and what they're going to use is distributed ledger technology. So blockchain to develop this, which is really, really interesting. Um, so not only would it stop the Americans putting up sanctions on them, but it would give them a lot more stability um, in, in comparison to, to fiat currencies. So essentially what we've got here, Jennifer, is the Russians basically leapfrogging into a digital age with a CBDC um, to bypass all the current archaic systems that we've currently got. But they're also combining this with, uh, well, I suppose the hardest money known to man, and, that, and that's gold. And it, I suppose the best analogy to make, really, it's similar to the Bretton Woods meeting that we saw back in 1944, um, which was obviously the last gold standard that we were put on. Um, I suppose it's just a modern version of it um, that, that's being brought into the digital age. And this is going to have some huge, huge ramifications on, on the world economy. Um, I mean, if, if it does happen and these countries do band together, and the interesting thing is they now represent about 80% of the world population and over half of its GDP, by the way, um, if they all band together and they decide, look, we've had enough of the dollar, it's worthless, we're, we're having sanctions imposed on us left, right and centre, um, what they'll all do is they'll essentially dump it um, uh, and all those dollars will head back to the US and it's going to cause a tsunami, a huge increase in inflation, um, which will then cause the Americans to, to jack up their rates, their, their interest rates. Um, th th those will spike dramatically, even further um, from, from where they are at the moment. And obviously, we know what, what happens when interest rates go up dramatically. Well, it leads to a crash in bonds, equities, the housing market. Um, obviously, the banks crash, they, they, they collapse. Um, and then the Americans will just turn around and, and basically blame this, uh, this reset, this financial reset that we'll eventually see on either, I don't know, Putin, um, Jinping, I mean, whoever the next bogeyman is, they're, they're going to find somebody to blame for it because they know the game's up, essentially. Okay. Well, that's one way of looking at it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, look, that's a worst-case scenario. I'm certainly, not, I'm certainly not saying that's going to happen in the next three days. Actually, quite the opposite. I'm just saying this is potentially what could happen in this bifurcated system that, that we're seeing. Um, and what's really interesting as well is you might have noticed, or some of your audience might, that the Saudis are also attending this meeting. Um, they're not a member yet, but it wouldn't surprise me in the next few days if they're admitted as well. Yeah. Um, and, and basically, for, yeah, you, you've probably seen, but the US, they've, uh, they've been trying to alienate Saudi Arabia over the last year by going green. Um, so the Saudis have now just said, well, look, who are we going to sell our oil to? Well, we'll just go to Russia instead. So the one entity that basically gives the dollar its unique standing in the globe is Saudi Arabia and the petrodollar. Um, and the Americans are deliberately almost trying to push them away. Um, I don't want to go down too much of a rabbit hole, but you've got to ask, why are the Americans doing this? Why are they? Why is Biden so hell bent on, on self-sabotaging the dollar and, and its reserve status in the world? Um, yeah. And again, yeah, going down a rabbit hole, if you look at all his top economic advisors like Bernstein and Brainard, um, both WEF acolytes, 
um, they're, they're both advocating um, to, to get rid of all the, the, the American banks and basically go back to uh, a Fed system with, with the CBDC. They want to get rid of the, the US dollar's reserve currency. I know it sounds crazy what I'm saying on the phone, but there's no smoke without fire. And um, basically every central bank throughout the world um, have been told by the Bank of International Settlements that they've got to, op- they've got to have an operational CBDC in place by the end of 2025 which is why they're all beta testing them. It's just a question of what what are these going to be backed by? The Russians and the Chinese uh, uh, have kind of made their, they've thrown down the glove and said, look, we're going back to a gold-backed currency, but what's going to happen here in the West? Well, we don't know. Um, the the head of the IMF come come and said that, yeah, we're going we're gonna to have a CBDC here in the West. Um, we don't know what it's going to be backed by, but we realise the need for it to be, to, to, to be backed by a hard asset. She stopped short of saying exactly what it was. Um, but look, the, <laughs> look, what's the only other tier one asset in the world is gold. Um, and what have the, all the central banks in the world been doing over the last six months? Well, they've all bought 387 tonnes of gold between them, which is the largest amount of gold we've seen purchased since the year 2000. So long story short, Jennifer, I, I can waffle on, but... Um, We've got now an acknowledgement from the Russians, from the Chinese, that they're going back to a gold-backed currency. The IMF have now come out and said that um, a CBDC is going to be need to be backed by something. Um, they've just stopped short of saying exactly what it's going to be. So I don't think it could be much clearer what's going to happen. Um, and, and look, before anyone thinks uh, I'm saying that a reset's going to happen tomorrow in this meeting, they're going to go right back to a gold-backed currency. That's certainly not what I'm saying at all. This isn't the end of the dollar yet, but it certainly seems like the beginning of the end, um, if, if you see what I mean. Um, and we've got another 23 countries throughout the world um, looking to join these BRICS, uh, this BRICS alliance um, in the next year. Um, I mean, Putin's been prevented from attending this this meeting today. He couldn't actually fly into South Africa um, because basically the West, uh, spearheaded by the Americans, um, have got the, the ICC, so the International Criminal Court, to take a warrant out for his uh, arrest. And the way the BRICS nations are seeing this is, well, it's just it's making them double down. It's improving their resolve and strengthening them even further, because if they see the West coming in and saying, oh, no, Putin's not meeting you to discuss this, that, that it just makes that perceived kind of Western interference and, and hegemony even worse, if you like. So this is what's going on. Um, whether we're going to get a formal announcement in the next two to three days, I seriously doubt it. Um, is it all pie in the sky at the moment? Is it a theoretical idea? Yes, there's a possibility. I mean, talk talk is quite cheap between all these nations. They love saber rattling. Um, and, and another thing is, look, we've got we've got five completely different cultures as well. This is really important. Five completely different nations trying to work together um, who also distrust each other um, to a degree, um, particularly China and Russia and, and India. Um, just, just like we do, I suppose, at the moment in the Eurozone, the Germans don't get along too well with the Italians or the Spanish, etc. So as it stands, uh, there is a huge amount of distrust between these nations. Which one of them is going to hold all the gold? Are they going to split it equally? Are the Chinese going to own it? Are the Russians going to own it? We don't know. Um, At this point, I just don't think there's enough detail for them to implement something like this. Um, With all those other countries coming on board as well. um, I mean, a lot of them are third world countries, a lot of South American countries, a lot of Middle Eastern countries. most of them don't have economies that are large enough to to kind of generate enough of a surplus to to buy enough gold to to become a member of this this BRICS alliance. So, look, I'm certainly not suggesting at the moment we are this is going to happen. It's going to crash the economy, but it, it seems like this is a managed decline, and it's the beginning of the end for the dollar. Um, and we will be going back to some kind of uh, multi-poly, multi, sorry, multipolar economy where there are different payment systems and different rails. Um, but these particular systems are going to be backed by physical assets. And, and, and of course, the number one of those being gold. So it's really interesting to see what's going on. They've not released any information yet. So this is pure speculation from me as to, to, to what potentially might happen. Um, but yeah, it really, really is exciting. And um 
if they were to announce something, and I think there's only probably a 5% chance that they do announce something very formal, that they, they're going back to a gold standard, well, the markets would go wild. You'd, you'd end up with a resetting of the gold price. Everything would crash. But realistically, they don't have enough gold to do that. Um, they, don't, they, they can't trust each other enough, um, uh, as it stands at the moment, to, to organise something like this. But the very fact that they're having a summit like this where they're discussing um, going back to a gold standard, well, yeah, it's, it's exciting. It really is. Uh, and I think personally, Jennifer, there's going to be a managed decline of the dollar. Um, they're going to carry on accumulating more gold and it's just going to cause the price of it to go up steadily over time as opposed to there just one be, being one huge reset overnight and the gold price just being valued, revalued a 5x. But then again, I don't know. Um, nobody knows the timescales of this. If I did, I'd, I'd probably be an extremely rich man. But we know it's happening. We know it's going to happen. We just don't know how or when. Oh, very interesting, Nick. Um, I appreciate your perspective. The gold standard is, is most definitely coming back. And how how they roll it out you know, remains to be seen per all the points you've, you've mentioned. But there seems to be this kind of concerted effort to uh, take down a bully. And it's the Americans, it's that dollar. And I just can't help but notice if you're going to take down a system, you know, that's, that's running nefarious, you know, kind of activities amongst centralization, how is it you best dissemble, you know, take it apart? This alliance is, you know, it's only been around since 2010. So it's not like it's, you know, decades old. There seems to be a very concerted effort here uh, now more than ever. And I, you know, I agree this all eyes on, you know, Saudi Arabia because their next move, you know, obviously affects the dollar. I just did a thread the other day. You know, interestingly enough, in the 70s, when Nixon announced, you know, the de-dollarization, this temporarily, or excuse me, this uh, de-peg from gold in 71, August 15th, right? And, 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 and then, you know, in that same kind of era, there was a six-page document that kind of introduced this notion of a petrodollar. So now if countries are trading outside the dollar... And the reason this is this is interesting is because there's many theories about why this needs to happen and, and how this happens and, you know, how there is this kind of, um, you know, this concerted effort to the devolution theory, guys, for those listening along, um, you know, to take apart this, you know, massive global Ponzi scheme, the centralization of you know, these these central banks, you know, this kind of ownership of the banks for the banks. And, um, you know, now if we're, you know, and, and the, the bastardization of fiat, right, made lawful from government degree, backed by nothing, really, there's no value in the paper. So now that we're bringing back the metals, um, obviously, you know, as we spoke about earlier, Nick, we're not going to look to be carrying back the, the sacks of gold in the, in the treasure chests. Um, you know, that's fun to kind of think about. We are going to need a way of settling payments instantly. And obviously, you know, I'm a huge advocate for, you know, transparency and trust verification on blockchain, um, getting rid of the opaqueness, the obfuscation that happens internally between payments and creating a very transparent level playing field one network to which on and off ramps and various uh, blockchains and side chains, you know, interoperate uh, so that payments are transparent, especially, uh, you know, federal, domestic and cross-border payments. So when we're looking at countries looking to do trade outside the dollar, I mean, yes, all those scary things that you're speaking about, you know, could very well be a consequence of that. But it's 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 got to happen in order to, you know, build back a new system that, you know, it, it allows for free markets. We need to rip this bandaid off, <laughs> allow the um, this kind of collapse to to take place. And I think because it's so concerted, they are making every effort uh, to ensure that it doesn't have the devastating effects 
that we're all, you know, fearing, you know, the kind of, I'm sure there will be casualties of some sort. I think we're seeing them, Hawaii, you know, various false flag events uh, that continue to increase uh, fear and make people much more uh, concerned as we see the matched volatility of the markets. So it, it you know, it is interesting to see how, what what's happening over there. Um, and I think, you know, there's some people that say that the dollar is already part of the BRICS, that this is just part of the breaking down of the old system into the new, the one where, you know, there will be no one currency that kind of rules them all, but a bridge between different currencies uh, that interoperate on blockchain. Um, and as you know, this is where I'm very focused right now, because I think there is a you know, back to the future in a cryptocurrency kind of way thing that we're going to. Um, and the CBDCs, I'm actually, the more I learn about them, the more I understand why they're introducing them. Um, and you guys, I say that not to advocate surveillance, anything, or, you know, parameters or programmable money at all, but to see that this is being used as the carrot from one system in, you know, uh, of now into the new. Everything that we fear they can do, they already can do. Uh, the, the, you know, tracing the accounts, looking at what you're spending, the, you know, the pillaging of data in this Web 2.0 interface to which we interact between the credit card details, the websites, et cetera. All of that is already known. Where we are going to is permission-based. It's up to you. And, and I think really when we get to this distributed ledger technology, there will be no centralization between one central group. So they are using the CBDCs as the last bit of effort to maintain control. At the same time, these CBDCs, this transparency of payments, can also be used uh, as a way for good. And that's, you know, most definitely within federal payments and the government, the handouts we receive from these, you know, on top invisible hand that runs the government agencies, you know, the IMF, the biz, this kind of stuff. We're, we're seeing firsthand <clears throat> um, how the system operates and that it's definitely never been about the people. No, you're absolutely right, Jennifer. The, a CBDC essentially is just a carrot that's going to be designed to entrap you. Now, they're, what they're going to do is they're going to crash the system. They're going to crash the banks, personally, I think. Um, then they're going to come along like the Messiah, give you this free CBDC and recompense you for the money that you've got sat in the bank. Um, but of course, in order to achieve it, you're going to have to, I don't know, have the chip in your arm or whatever it is and give up your freedom entirely. You will be the product. Um, I mean, it, it really is terrifying. So there's going to be this fight between centralization, the government um, kind of modern fiat standard um, and decentralized um, blockchains. There'll be, there'll be a multilateral trading mechanism in, in various different countries on, like you said, on various different blockchains, various different side chains. Um, that will be backed by something physical. Um, they'll be completely decentralized, um, so they can't snoop on you. And then you'll have the the, the, the government alternative, um, which for, for me is, is absolutely terrifying. It's going to dictate to you what you're going to be allowed to spend your money on. It will be linked to your carbon footprint. Oh, you can't fly this much. You can't have this much red meat, et cetera, et cetera. You have different interest rates depending, depending on your age. I don't know if you're 60 plus, well, you only get 1%. If you're 21 and you've only just come out of the university, then we'll offer you 4% real-time taxation. If the, cent if, if the central banks, the IMF and the West, get their way, um, well, it, it's pretty clear what's going to happen. We're going to live in a complete surveillance state, um, which, which is terrifying. Um, now, how they crash the economy, I don't know. Um, are they going to force the Russians and Chinese and the Saudis into going back to a gold standard and crashing it that way so they can then blame it on them? Um, are they going to in increase interest rates on their own and, and, and crash it that way? Are they going to inflate, inflate it away and we end up with a kind of night, a Weimar uh, 1920s style hyperinflationary event? I don't know. Whatever happens, there is going to be a crash. They're damned, like I said earlier, they're damned if they do, they're damned if they don't. There's no way of us getting out of this. Um, even if they were to tax us all at a hundred percent of our income, I mean, we, we, we wouldn't even they wouldn't even raise enough money to pay off the interest rate repayments on our debt, let alone eat into it. So there, there's there's a reset happening. We just can't figure out exactly what colour it's going to take. 
basically. And I think it's more likely than not that they're going to force all, all the BRICS nations in, into adopting this this gold-backed um, CBDC. Um, and of course, then they've got a bogeyman that they can conveniently blame um, all their reckless printing on, basically. I'm not sure that they're going to succeed in their plans on this stuff. I think they're trying it on these, especially the desperate banks. But you know, this carbon footprint stuff. This is just beta testing, and testing for compliance. Uh, we we have to be smart and think ahead of where this is going, and we're right to talk about all these different opportunities, you know, different various ways. But ultimately, I think they never ever expected this kind of uh you know response from people you know gaining information and understanding and and you know making their voices heard i understand people will complain about where the the herds want will go to and this this chip i think this is again i don't think this will take off they're beta testing that in spain or sweden as they've done for years but that's that doesn't equal adoption so we we think ahead by holding our assets outside their system you know, there's only, you know, real money in the form of gold, gold and silver. I mean, this, this is centuries old knowledge, but I mean, we're looking at how they're adopting one system to the new. Of course, they're going to try everything they can to keep themselves in, in the, you know, the controls, the control seat. Um, but I'm saying as the adoption of web, you know, three and, and blockchain come on, I mean, if they can try this on their net zero wallets, can still have your own wallet without them and transact we just real we need real money we need it backed by something real uh various currencies you know i i think this is this is going to happen whether we like it or not so we we choose how it happens on our terms this is exactly what that no I, yeah. I, I, I totally i i'd agree jennifer there there is light at the end of the tunnel this isn't just all doom and gloom oh my god we're all going to lose everything it's well Decentralized organizations and regimes throughout history, they never do succeed. They always end up collapsing because of inefficiency, people rising up, etc. That it, it is definitely not all doom and gloom. It's how much pain they're going to inflict on everybody when this reset happens. And how are you going to protect yourself and your savings to make sure that you come out of the other side? And that's by having a, a mixture, of course, of decentralized cryptocurrencies and, and precious metals. Um, I mean, yeah, the, the, the West is rapidly declining. They are losing control. They know the game's up, so they're desperately trying to reach out and, and, and try and take back as much control as possible by, by, enacting, by trying these, these dystopian technologies like CBDCs. But I think most people are going to say, no, we're not doing it. We're not having that. Um, I have no doubt they will not succeed, but they'll try it and they'll cause a hell of a lot of pain to the financial system um, uh, as they do so. The more wealth we can hold outside the system, the faster their system collapses. You know, last week I spoke to Linda Jones, Linda P. Jones of Be Wealthy and Smart, her podcast, and she talked about how they stopped, you know, there's, there's not enough dollars to go around. So the more we're holding real assets outside their system, you know, in what better way than with the digital assets and you know, physical gold and silver. I mean, always physical gold and silver because this is really your nest egg of treasure. So if you're saving in the bank or you have a, an, a nominal savings, a pension, something you have been working your entire life for, and, and the idea of taking it out of the bank scares you, the absolute safest way of holding it is with you know these gold and silver i mean it, it will combat inflation it will hedge against whatever happens with the currencies and you can always always trade it back and sell it, it back into whatever next local currency there will be but this is the real wealth outside the system every you know every wealthy person or investor i've spoken to always has some variance amount of of, of gold and silver Exactly. No, it, it's about creating a vacuum, starving them of their fiat, getting it out of the bank while you still can, yeah. while you still got a, laugh, a life raft, if you like. Um, like I said, yeah, you can always put it back in um, in the future. Trade it for a CBDC even if you really want, because the government are going to want to take that gold off you. 
um, if, of course, the BRICS do go back to a gold standard. So I think what a lot of people worry about if they do have gold is, oh, my God, how am I going to get it back into the system in the future? The government aren't going to allow me to do this, that or the other. Um, well, if you've got it in lots of little bits, well, you can trade that. But believe you me, the institutions in the government are going to want their fair share of gold. So they'll encourage you to hand it in. They might even offer you double its value at the current point in order to get you on that CBDC system. So you're never, ever going to have a problem getting rid of gold in the future. Um, it's just what you're going to be transferring it back into. That's what I'd, I'd be worrying about the most. Well, whatever you think you can buy with it now, just imagine what you could do with it, turning it back into gold later. And I, you know, I don't know how much I, I, I can bang on for this forever because this is my focus of interest right now. But <clears throat> the CBDC threat is mainly is is really for those who live off government handouts because it is the first place they're going to start and where it will backfire and never take off because this is complete nonsense and people have had it, but they will try it on and they're going to try it on for the people most dependent on their system. So this is why in this channel, we talk very much about getting out of that system, screwing that system, starving it, suffocating, whatever we can, will it die? It just needs to go. Now, the entry point of FedNow and these new kind of CBDCs are how you know the issuance of payment from federal you know payments uh, across border this is where the transparency can be used but that does not mean they get that in your accounts and you know, being able to to access your liquidity and turn you know with on and off ramps and not be you know centralized suffocated by one bank i mean how much how many problems, Nick, have you had with banks refusing transfers for gold and silver? They've done the same with crypto. I'm just curious. Have they done the same with gold? Because they're freaking out. The money's leaving the system. Absolutely, Jennifer. Like nationwide at the moment, prime offender. Um, nobody seems to be able to get their money out. I've only had one successful transfer from nationwide, and I think that's because the particular lady in question actually knew the bank manager really, really well. Um, but it's like the Spanish Inquisition with the banks at the moment. People even can't, can't even get five grand out, for goodness sake, let alone £100,000. They're bought into a room. They're sat down. I've had clients had the police called in to come and chaperone them because they think they're trying to con their grandmother or their mother. Um, they've been, one, I had one couple that were kept in there with, with their elderly um, mother for, for well over two hours. All of a sudden, two policemen were called uh, and they're saying, why are you trying to get your money out the bank? They generally thought they, they were trying to defraud her. And the bank, I, I also know a bank manager, um, a retail bank manager, this is, in one of the high street chains. He's relatively high up. Uh, and he's even said to me that the uh, cashiers behind the tills are actually incentivized to stop people taking large sums or withdrawals out. So that's why you're getting such a quizzing at the moment. Who's, why are you doing this? What are you doing? Is anybody forcing you to do this? Do you know where the money's going? And they'll berate you and bombard you and keep trying to put that element of doubt in your mind to, to, to basically dissuade you from taking money out. Because they know they've all breached their capital adequacy ratios. They haven't got enough money to cover all their savers and depositors. It's all just a big game of poker. Uh, and and, and they, they kind of, they, they bet on everybody not taking their money out the bank at the same time. And there are some clever mathematical formulas that they've got where they're like, okay, 1% of our client base aren't going to withdraw their money out at the same time. So we only actually have to keep 1% of reserves at any one time. And people will tell you, oh, the banks have to have this much capital. It's rubbish. They, 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 they just make that money up out of thin air. Um, they loan it out. They don't even have it. There's not even enough money in that um, supposed deposit protection scheme that the government tell you about um, to cover one small regional building society going under, let alone this, this kind of risk that we're seeing in the financial system at the moment. They just don't have the money. It's not there. So it's just a, a case of who can be first out the door, who can get their money out um, and, and then well, everybody is, is left behind with um, basically slips of paper that, well, they're not worth the paper they're written on. Um, and this is happening everywhere. It's happened so many times in history. It's just because, well, people haven't seen something like this since 2008. They think, oh, it'll be fine. The government will come to your rescue. Well, they won't. They've expressly said they're not going to do that. Um, and like I said earlier at the beginning of the conversation, um, a lot of people's um, T's and C's in their bank accounts have now been adjusted for these bail-ins. 
So basically what it says is if the bank gets into trouble, um, they can take any undisclosed sum of money out your account and convert it into equity. So you just steal your money if they really want to. Um, no one's covered at all. That, that 85 grand deposit protection limit, it's, it's just a confidence game. It's everyone thinking, oh, look, my money's safe in the bank. The government have got me covered. The government don't have you covered at all with all the, uh, the, the debt they've got themselves into over, over the, the, the lockdowns and everything else. They, they're not going to be the, the white knight that comes to your rescue. Um, they will let the banks collapse. And actually, that will benefit them because if a lot of the banks collapse, it gets even more centralised. You would then only end up with two, three, four major banks in the UK. That then limits choice. It makes control even easier. Before you know it, five years down the line, those four banks have been subsumed by the Bank of England and they have complete and ultimate control over everything. Oh, so Nick, gross. And that's people like me and teams everywhere say, forget this and start innovating, building, building, building. We're exactly. going to get them. They're going to force us out, you guys. This is, there'll be a point where people will just say, no, we're not doing that. Exactly. This is um, more people need to wake up and they are. I speak to more and more people every single day that are kind of becoming a bit more awake. They realize what's going on. The game's up. doesn't matter how much they go on. Exactly. I get more calls about this, more discussion. What can we do? Because people see that the system is broken, want to be able to build outside of it and, and not, and, and, and see how do we marry this kind of, you know, blockchain cryptocurrency thing with with real assets, because what we're not going to do is play with paper anymore. And we're not giving it to a bunch of, you know, government controlled in with private bank. You know, this this system is broken. So exactly. we're, we're talking gold and silver in this call. I mean, I keep mentioning it. I mean, the kind of two the, the two are you know, they started off very different. Um, for people entering crypto and just know Bitcoin, oh my gosh, not my, not our not my channel. My, my channel is far smarter. But you know the you know. But now we're seeing the kind of merger of the two with metals and digital assets, and I think we're going to continue to see that, guys. Which is why we're talking about you know the difference of holding both and the importance of them. You know, silver. When I went to recently. Um, you know, we went to the local dealer here and the dealer, I was, he, he was speaking and said, you buy silver, you, you buy gold, um, for you and, and silver or no, you buy silver for you and gold for your children. Um, I thought that was really interesting when he's, you know, speaks to his clients. This is what he's saying. What do you think about that, Nick? Um, look, I, I'm always more of an advocate for gold than I am silver because of the previous, economic resets it's always actually gold that goes up and protects your wealth whereas silver is just so much more speculative so i get it with silver the, the cost of it is very very low you can pick a silver coin up for less than 30 quid now if things worse comes to the worst then you're not going to have any trouble trading that silver of course um but it's not going to be great if the value of it's dropped by 30 or 40 percent like along with everything else that's not to say it won't rebound because it does, but a lot of people can't stomach the volatility of silver. Um, it's sometimes it can go down 30, 40% and then within six to 12 months, it's back up there again. Um, it is more of a, a commercial metal as opposed to a pure monetary one. Gold is always going to protect you. It's always going to maintain its purchasing power. If you've got the luxury to sit on it five or 10 years, like you said, leave it for your kids or your grandkids, like a lot of our Asian clients do, et cetera. Um, it's a legacy. It's always, always going to pre preserve its wealth. It's private. It's tax free. The government don't know you've got it as well if you take possession of it. Now, look, silver is great. Um, it's just definitely more of a, a speculative asset uh, as opposed to one that's purely there to do, to, to protect your wealth. Um, either way, they're both good against uh, protecting against inflation um, over the long term. Over any, any five-year time period where you've got really, really high inflation, both of them usually do tend to protect you. Um, it's just when you end up with one monumental crash, gold's always the overachiever. So with what we've, we're seeing coming, um, I'm saying, look, go, go for gold if this is your first time, if you like. Um, if you want to add another string to your bow later on and put a bit of silver in there as well, by all means, we can do that for you and you like a bit more volatility. And look, 
when inflation really kicks off, if we end up in a hyperinflationary event, that's when silver um, will, will increase to an even greater extent. Um, I mean, if you look at the 70s, it went up 2,600 percent. Um, yes, the market was cornered um, by, by a pair called the Hunt Brothers. I won't get into that now. Um, there were some abnormal conditions in that market. Um, but it went up by such a huge amount in that decade. Gold only did a 10x in 10 years. So, look, I think this is more about preserving your capital rather than getting into something that, that's uh, a bit of a bet. So that's why I tend to steer people away from silver to begin with. But, yeah, if, if you do want to go for it, the silver price at the moment is very, very low. If clients are looking at it, it's certainly a good price point to enter at. Um, it's just you've got to be prepared with silver to to hold it um, for a relatively long period of time because uh, it can be volatile. You know, I would echo that because if you're coming into a windfall, let's say you've bought your house or, or sold your house and or you've an inheritance or something like this that you want to take out of the banks and secure with metals. I find it safer with gold in case you need that liquidity later. So if you if you come into, you know, needing a new roof or re repairing a bathroom or et cetera, the gold is really the one that uh, maintains, you know, that price that, you know, you feel comfortable with, whereas silver can really fluctuate. So putting everything in silver equally, if gold's price is putting you off, one of the ways that some people talk about are stacking silver to turn into gold. Um, you know, what do you think of that, Nick? Yes, you can do. We, we provide a swap service. And I think, look, at the moment, the raw mint actually make um, quarter sovereigns, half sovereigns, which go range from about 121 quid, um, uh, go up to about kind of 230, 240 quid. So it's usually the smallest that you can get in terms of gold. And that's really, really popular at the moment. They want that fractional gold because they know if the time does come, even if the gold price doubles or triples at the moment, they've still got something that's liquid that they can cash out of as opposed to just buying one great big gold bar. Most people associate gold. Oh, God, I've got to spend like £5,000 just to get one piece. Well, that's not the case. You don't have to do that at all. Um, but yeah, either or, it's just about keeping ahead of inflation. That, that's the aim of the game at the moment, is protecting everything, battling down the hatches, not putting your money into anything too speculative, like uh, bonds and equities that can crash. Property markets far too overvalued at the moment. Where else can you put it? You can't keep it in the bank because inflation... They'll tell you it's at eight or nine percent. Well, that's total rubbish. It's more like 20 percent at the moment. Um, Inflation is just a nefarious tax of robbing you through the back door um, because, of course, they can't tax you anymore because it's so unpopular. So whatever you do, look, don't what, don't put all your money into gold and all your money into silver. You need to remain liquid. You need working capital just to pay for expenses and everything else. But if you've got large sums just sat there that you've left there for two, three years. It's doing nothing. It's giving you two, three, four percent. It's totally pointless because the government are going to tax that as well. It's not an inflation hedge. You're still losing a huge amount in terms of purchasing power every year. Um, get it into gold or silver, leave it there for five or 10 years, and, and you're not going to go wrong in this current environment. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to open the floor if anyone wants to jump in or have any questions. Um, but, you know, while they do, while you guys are kind of getting some courage to come forward. Nick, talk to us about pensions and what you do differently with pensions. Um, so, yeah, it's possible for you to put physical gold within your pension. Um, I mean, I'm not allowed to give any recommendations or financial advice. Um, we'll, we'll give our clients um, the, some, uh, the names of various providers that are capable uh, of purchasing, uh, of allowing you to purchase physical gold. Um, and then, of course, it's up to, to, to the client to go and do their own research, their own due diligence on that company. Then once they picked a company that they're happy with, they can then come back to us uh, and we can actually fill that pension into physical gold. Thing is, it can't be gold coins, Jennifer. It has to be gold bars. That's because the government just want a level of standardization in there. Um, but yeah, it, it's pretty seamless to do. It, it usually takes three to four weeks for the whole process to go through, depending on which pension provider you're with or who you choose to go with. Um, but again, it's something a lot of people didn't realize they can do. Most people don't even know what's in their pension, Jennifer. They're, they're usually just full of bonds and equities that they're charged a management fee for. Uh, and most people blindly trust these people with their pensions. They've got no idea what's in them. Um, and whenever you see interest rates rise dramatically and you end up with a big stock market crash, well, if you've got 
um, an audience that are coming up to, to, to retirement age um, in the next, I don't know, four or five years. Well, they've got a pension pot there that's worth 500 grand and it's just lost 40 percent. They need to start drawing down on that in order to cover their living expenses. But it's 40 percent down. So whilst we're still at these heights, whilst the equity market is still overblown, um, the bond market still hasn't broken, even though what we saw back in October last year, um, this gives you the opportunity to protect the value of that pension that's been growing quite dramatically uh, and disproportionately, really, it shouldn't have been growing to the extent that it has um, uh, over the last kind of decade. Um, the pension managers realise that so many people are retiring now. There aren't enough young people coming up from the uh, kind of Generation X and everything else to, to to buy all these equities and bonds from these retirees that are disposing them. I mean, they can't even afford to get on the property ladder or pay off their student debt, etc., um, let alone buy equities um, and think about the future. So you're going to end up with this huge mass of baby boomers that are trying to dispose of these assets uh, either in a hyperinflationary environment um, or, or in a, a, a forced crash. Um, and it's going to be a recipe for disaster. Of course, the, some people are going to be lucky enough to sell, uh, cash out of their, uh, their pension. They'll be fine. They'll be high and dry. But, but everybody else, um, well, they're going to be left with pension pots that are dramatically reduced. I mean, they think over 30 percent of pensions in the UK um, are underfunded. There's no way that they can be paid out. Um, it, it, it's worrying. Uh, and of course, when we ended up with that, uh, that budget from um, Kwasi Kwarteng and uh, Liz Truss uh, at the end of last year, that caused such shockwaves throughout the pension market. Um, they, they were even saying that like, there were some top pension fund managers in London, in the city, saying um, if it hadn't have been for an emergency intervention by the Bank of England, 90 percent, 90 percent of pension companies in the UK uh, and funds were, would have gone bust. I mean, that is just insane. It's so worrying. And it was obviously it was on in the news. It was on the media, but they kind of kicked it I mean they, they hit it very very well after that and they great PR teams at these companies uh, and most people thought oh okay that's fine it's been saved there's no problem but that's just a sign of things to come there are huge huge cracks um, in, in the system that people just are not aware about uh, and they think the government will save their pensions as well well they can't there's not a magic money tree that's never ending they can just print and print and print and cover everybody else because that just leads to more inflation and higher costs. So it's a vicious spiral that they currently got themselves in. You need something in your pension that's real, that actually exists, fully allocated, fully segregated in your vault. And look, when you come to retirement, you can always take delivery of your gold. That's not a problem. You don't have to cash it out into fiat. You've got that optionality, but at least you've got something there that's going to protect you against any black swan events that we're going to see coming um, in the foreseeable future. And you offer services with gold vaults in london right correct yeah it, it's all in london yeah so fully allocated fully segregated with loomis um so loomis international um big big precious metals custodian um it has to be in london we also offer storage facilities in zurich in switzerland for people that want that kind of geographic diversification as well they don't really feel comfortable keeping everything in, in the uk uh, that's the majority of our silver purchases though because if you keep it in a bonded vault over there, well, then you can avoid paying any VAT on silver um, because unlike gold, where there's no VAT at all, silver attracts a VAT charge in the UK. So look, most people don't keep gold in Switzerland. They'll keep their gold in London and their silver over there um, it, because of that. Well, it's just the tax efficiency, really, Jennifer. That's really interesting. So anyone interested to speak to Nick more about any of this stuff, you can email him. Obviously, you know, he'll work one-on-one it's all right like you can you can always email me at the end as well if you've got any questions and you've got my email address there but it's just nicholas at the prgoldcompany.co.uk so if no one wants to speak or anything then just just email me privately that's fine are there any questions uh linda hi how you doing <laughs> well i'm listening to this because i saw nick's great uh, i listened to nick's uh, your podcast with nick uh, that you did a few months ago and i've sent them out to friends as well um, I've got a big investment in gold. I had an inheritance of pension, an inheritance also of cash, and I picked up uh, about a year and a half ago that I needed to move my pension into gold, and I've moved it 100% into gold. Not with Nick, I didn't know about his company, but with another with another gold company and with one of the uh, few administrators, 
Um, and uh, yeah, it's been really, um, just to tell everyone, it's been, it, once I got it moved, it's really easy to um, administer. And I've got a very good administrator. Um, and I haven't had to sell any gold yet because I, I, I left some cash. And now I'm, I'm due to sell some gold, but um, because the price has dipped, I'm hanging on and just using cash at the moment. And I'm not, uh, I'm not going to sell any gold till the price goes up because it has um, dipped a bit recently due to the rig market. <laughs> so I, I thought I'd wait. So you have to sort of be confident with managing that. But just to let everyone know, it's, it's relatively easy and it, it's nice to know that I'm out of the markets with that. And I've got some uh, small pensions I already had from working. Um, and I think I'm going to get them into gold as well. So, Nick, do you, is it do you should any pension be left in the markets, uh, or should or is it good to have everything in gold at, the, at this moment in time? Which is what I've done with my my main uh, pot. I, again, I'm not allowed to say, Linda, but if you've got defined benefit, for example, you've got one of those uh, ring fenced gold neck pensions, then keep it because the government are always going to pay that out. That's going to be one of the last things to go. Um, hmm. It depends what what it's in, really. There are <laughs> most people's. No, I've got I've got one I've got one that's this final salary one that uh, through compound interest has made quite a lot of money, and I know I need to leave that in because I got advice a while ago. Um, but the others are just um, I, I could just move them if I wanted to because they're not, you know, they're not really doing anything. Yeah, final salary. I'd, I'd always encourage people just to keep them. It, it, yeah, it's always the final salary I'll leave. Yeah, but it's it dropped quite work, a lot. Yeah, they they will. They still fluctuate quite a bit, but it's those those private pensions, um, the, those work pensions that that people have got spread throughout the place. That a lot of people don't even know how much is there, what they're in. Well, you can amalgamate all of those together, and of course. Um, Put the combined yeah. lot in um, with, with one pension provider and, and tuck it all into gold if you want 50% of it. I, I always highly encourage people don't put everything in that you own in gold. Um, of, of course not. That would be silly. But um, yes, it, it's up to every individual. If you need to seek financial advice, of course, I have to re recommend that people do that. Um, but but yeah, to, to find not? benefit, leave it. <laughs> yeah, why not? Look, I, I'm such a gold bug. I'm very, very passionate about it, as you can tell. <laughs> Um, Pete, like you said, and like, like Linda correctly said, there's been a huge, huge dip. <coughs> excuse me, guys. Huge dip in the gold price over the last three months. It's down about 7%. That's mm. big in the grand scheme of things. Um, mm. And that's used, just typical kind of uh, summer trading. There's a recess. All the traders throughout the market are off on holidays and vacations, etc. Um, as soon as they all come back in kind of early September, you usually see the gold price tick up. So statistically, if you look back over the last kind of 50, 100 years, the lowest point is always usually about kind of the beginning to mid-August. And that's simply because of the seasonality of gold. Everybody's away. So if you're looking at buying from a price perspective alone, it's certainly very attractive because of this dip. Um, because by September, October, November, well, given everything that's happening with the BRICS, etc., it could be right back to the highs that we saw three months ago. So, yeah, if you've got the luxury of sitting on it and then you don't need it, I'd certainly suggest not cashing out of it now. Um, but that's why I say don't put all your money in, because if you're relying on that solely to fund your retirement, that's your only capital, that's your only income. If it's dipped by 7% in three months, then that's going to cause some real, real difficulties and a bit of a bitter taste in the mouth. So you need other forms of income as well. You do need a bit of available cash. Um, but yes, anything I you do. don't need, yeah, ex exactly. But if you don't need it for the short term, then yeah, get it into gold. Yeah, because if the markets crash, it might as well sit in gold. What I'm doing, I'm drawing it just to take my tax allowance at the moment because I've got because I've got other forms of income, and my husband runs his own small business. Uh, we do have other forms of income, so I'm just making sure I use my tax allowance with it, just so I'm doing a very light drawdown. Um, because um, I can see the way the markets are going. And I thought, well, for the moment, I'll get out of the markets and see what happens with them. And I've been in gold for about um, a year now. Um, but it's, a, it's it, yes, it's not, not making huge amounts at the moment. Um, the, the war didn't help where it rocketed. Um, so I bought it um, a couple of months after the war in Ukraine. So I bought it a reasonably 
highish price anyway, so I haven't made a huge amount on it yet because there was that spike there. And uh, exactly, and that people aren't buying it anyway for, for short term trading or to make short term profits because what are you going to convert it back into anyway? Just useless fiat. Um, it really, that's the, right. Yeah, yeah the length yeah. of time our clients are holding it is kind of at least th three years minimum, all the way kind of five, 10, 15 years, even longer. Um, mm. like I said some people are leaving it for their kids, kids, kids almost as a legacy because it, of its private nature and the fact that in the UK, capital gains tax free if you buy the right gold. As a caveat of British law, which means you can't tax the flow of currency. So all the gains that you make are going to protect you against inflation, whereas you've got that money in the bank. Well, yeah, they might give you 4% at the moment in a Chase account or what have you. But, well, depending on your income tax level, the government are going to take at least a third of that, if not half of it, in tax. So mm. it, it, it's, it's the perfect inflation hedge. It always has been, um, well, since time immemorial, really. And um, I've, I've got another part. I'm, I've, I've got my, a lot of my cash inheritance in gold. And I, I went at the time for bullion vault. So I've got the gold in bullion vault. Um, and I know last time you said it's better to buy coins. And I didn't know at the time. So I'm stuck with paying the capital gains tax on that, aren't I? Well, you're not because you can not always cash out bullion vault and buy coins. There's nothing to stop you doing that. It's not like you're going to lose out because you'll be naturally hedged. Look, if the gold price is low at the moment, well, you're buying coins at a lower price. If the gold price, and, and at least that means you're not paying any capital gains tax then. If the gold price is high and you cash out, well, you're buying gold coins at a high price. There's nothing to stop you just getting out a bullion vault and swapping it into something that's more tax efficient. Um, I wouldn't suggest that just because it's in bullion vault now, that's a foregone conclusion. You can never get out of it. Um, I suppose it depends how much profit you've made since your original purchase or that you would have to pay capital gains tax on. Oh. Definitely get out. You, you can get out of it. The thing with bullion vault, look, it's great for trading it, because it's like a yeah, big... Oh, it's ever, it's ever so easy, yes. Yeah, absolutely. If you want to trade gold, great. If you want to sit there taking advantage of a 3 4% increase and wait, fantastic. But basically you're on a large electronic trading platform and you're relying on somebody else being on the other end to take that gold off your hands. You can't sell it back to the wider market. You can't sell it to other dealers or to anybody else. Um, you're, you're basically in this tiny little, um, what would be the word for it? Ecosystem, if you like, whereby you can only other sell to other people on that platform. So it's electronic trading. You don't actually I mean, you can allocate and segregate them, but you can't buy coins. You can't take it in your own possession. So, look, it's very different. If you're looking for something to protect your long-term savings in a tax-efficient and private manner, then mm. William Bolt isn't going to give you that because it's not completely secure. If they ever went into administration, there'd be huge questions as to who owns which particular electronic share of a certain gold bar, etc. Whereas if you've got it in your hands, well, possession is nine tenths of the law. So great company, great at what they do when, when it comes to that. But as a long term store of wealth, people are buying gold through fear of the banking system and fear uh, of um, mm. kind of leaving it in, in somebody else's possession. Um, could it be rehypothecated? I mean, you never know unless you have it in your hands. So. It, it depends what your aim is, really. If you're planning on sitting on this for five or ten years, I'd actually want to put it into something tax efficient and take possession of it rather than leaving it on a trading platform. Right. OK. I think I'll, I'll talk to you separately about that, about what to do with that. I, I, I want to sell some soon to buy some land. I'm going to I'm going to buy some land to sort of hedge and also to grow food on because of the forthcoming catastrophe and uh, so I'm um, I'm hoping I can sell that pretty quickly. I phoned up Bullion Fault Bolt and they said I could. Um, so hopefully I can sell that in days, um, and it will sell. I, I didn't realise that that it was within Bullion Vault. Yeah, look, land's a great idea. I'm, I'm looking a little bit myself. It's all about decentralisation, becoming a sovereign individual, mm, taking yeah. back control of yourself, and not being reliant on any counterparty um, that, that can be manipulated or anything else. So. Um, yeah, it's this is part of a much wider tactic of, uh, of decentralizing everything, uh, becoming healthier, getting out the system, growing your own food, et cetera, et cetera. I don't want to get mm. kind of too tin, tin for hat, but yes, it's certainly uh, one part uh, of a much broader plan.
Yeah, yeah. And just just quickly, um, I've got some my ISA allocation for me and my husband just sitting in Interactive Investor, and I haven't bought anything um, because I don't know whether it's worth buying shares or not or moving it back out and moving it to something like gold or trying to buy some more land. I'm not sure what to do with regards to putting into ISAs. I mean, our ISAs can be worth a fig at the moment because of the way everything's going to go. Well, ISAs used to be great, of course, and you, you can only mm. put 20 grand in there uh, every year. But even if you're only earning 4% in an ISA with inflation sitting at 20%, you're still not keeping ahead of it. Whereas with no. gold, it works in the same way as your ISA, I suppose, with the bullion. What about ISA, ISA, ISA in the markets, ISA in shares? I mean, you can, by all means, if you want to pick uh, particular shares. It's a very, very difficult game. Um, most fund managers can't get that bit right, and they use like kind of AI and electronic trading platforms and everything else to help them do that. Um, and a lot of the time, they're, they're doing well if they can break even or make a couple of percent. So um, I don't touch equities anymore. I don't even touch gold equities. That's something I used to do well over a decade ago. Um, mm. People naturally think they follow the gold price, but they don't because they're exposed to so many other risks like geopolitics, big debt risks, etc. Um, mm. There's just no, there's nothing is safe at the moment. And that's it's difficult, isn't it? It is. It's, it is really, it's yeah. really difficult to know what to do. I've got, I, I just think it's, it seems to be gold, gold, all gold at the moment. I've got a little bit in silver in bullion vault as well. So that wasn't the, the greatest of moves, but never mind. <laughs> you live no, and learn. It, you're right. Where else can you put it? Well, gold is great. And I'm not, when the reset's over and the gold price is revalued with its double, triple, whatever it's done, um, all the other assets are then sitting at bargain prices, whether that be your equities, your bonds, your property, everything else. That's when you cash out of your gold with three times as much capital, hoover up all those uh, cheap asset classes and the whole cycle starts again. It's like Warren Buffett said, he always buys when there's blood in the streets. When these market mm. crashes happen, it is prime fertile ground for people to get rich, and they do. It's just, have you got the capital left um, in order to do that, in order to act on those on those those bargain fire sale prices? That's what gold allows you to do. I echo that absolutely. Yeah. So, so I've got it sitting there, but maybe I should just take the cash out and just get some gold coins with that at the moment, and then because I, I can always buy when I feel like it then. Yeah, and the point of an ISA is, is you get tax-free returns, but if there are no returns to be had right. in the market... That's the thing. Risky, that's the problem. The okay, that's, um, thank you very much for your, all your advice. And I'll probably oh, contact pleasure, you about pleasure. the bullion vault uh, gold just to get more information on that. Yeah, yeah, by all means. Linda, that was fantastic. Great questions. Thanks for joining and asking. Anybody else have any questions Or while Nick's here? I mean, I like I like this kind of one-on-one -on -one being able to talk to you about this because I think a lot of people are left on their own, and then you know, there's really nothing you can sink, you know, big chunks into because you're right. Everything is propped up and will eventually right itself. And when that happens, that's the time to buy, uh, especially when you're out of the system. So if you're holding your physical assets, you're not dependent or contingent. You can just spend as you want. Um, but I believe this will catch on. People will want this. This will be more talked about. This will become where we decide we put our energy into in building the new financial system. So keep having these conversations with people and thinking through your own finances and where you can protect your assets. Um, and, and so having conversations like this, thank you, Linda, for joining and everybody else who, who also came on. And Nick, I mean... Always great to talk to you and, and get an update on what's going on with the BRICS, as well as, you know, where they're, we're pushing into this new digital currency, slash, you know, gold-backed space. Uh, you know, being able to buy gold is a privilege right now. Eventually, it'll be priced out of the market, as many will not be able to afford this. So just being able to buy an ounce and keep, you know, hold it in your hand and keep in your possession or have it in a stored vault, knowing that it's secure... Um, you know, unlike a bank, which obviously can decide to, you know, take what it needs. I mean, have you, you guys have seen my threads recently where people have had, you know, overdrafts of 
half a million pounds and crazy amounts taken or their accounts seized, et cetera. This doesn't happen when you have gold. There will always be a buyer. There will always be someone who wants to buy your hard asset. You, yeah, you absolutely, Jennifer, you're always going to have a buyer for it, come what may. Um, and you're right, it will become at one point just the luxury of the elite. They, they almost price everybody else out of the market because the cost of a gram will be so inflated against the average person's income that they can't get hold of it. So it's better to get it while you still can, not when you need it. But at, that, at the same time, I'm certainly not suggesting throw everything that you own into gold. It's not about just backing the fastest horse in the race. It's about it's about having a, a, a diversified stable, if you like. Um, have a lot of your gold, have some silver as well, have a, a, a kind of mix of your, your certain cryptocurrencies that you're a fan of, everything that's anti-fiat. Um, but as long as you get it out of the system, that's what it's about, um, because we know exactly what's going to happen. They are going to crash it, so you've just got to take this action now while, while you can still do it, basically. Well said. So listen, I thank everybody for joining uh, today. It was really good to have a nice community call with the channel and for everybody at home making time to tune in. I really appreciate you being here. And thank you again, Nick, for coming on and talking to us. Linda, as always, it was great to, as I just said, it was great to have you. Um, and you know, guys, if you have any questions for Nick or if you, you, you're starting to think more about your personal finances and just want some ideas and opportunities, feel free to drop an email to Nick. His, his email is listed in the thread. Uh, send me a message if there's something more that we didn't cover that you'd like to see on this channel. So thank you, everyone. We're going to wrap up here. Uh, pleasure, for, uh, as always, Jennifer. And uh, like I said, anyone that, that wants any questions privately, they're welcome to email me. And uh, yeah, look, look forward to, to speaking to you guys again soon. Pleasure. Sounds good. Take care, guys.